Hello, Agile marketers. Before we start the show today, we need to talk about something. We know that you're listening to our show. We know that. We've seen the analytics. And we actually know that there's more of you listening to the show now than there was before. But here's the problem. That's about all the feedback we've gotten from you. We're feeling very, very lonely in social media, and especially in our iTunes review department, which Frank runs. He's, he's very sad. We need your feedback. If you have like five minutes, you like this show, go on to iTunes, write us a review. Tell us how smart and articulate we sound when we're talking about marketing. It'll really help. And please don't make me start every episode like this, please. Well, it's Friday, Roland. It's time for another podcast. How long has it been? I think it's been two or three weeks since we've done Time's fine, as know. usual. Well, you know, it's been some adventurous stuff on my end with a new job. Well, I guess relatively new job, or my company got sold, but that's the story. I had a side trip to, to Israel, which was pretty awesome to meet the new folks I'm working with. And um, I guess trying to live the dream. Hey, you know, it's one sprint after another here. Just putting one foot in front of the other. <laughs> it is. It is. And, you know, I was committed to, after we had talked with Denise Gray a couple of weeks ago, I was going to download yeah. or I was going to sign up for a trial, and I still owe her. She I was did. Oh, you did? She was gracious I enough. Did. She was gracious enough to offer us trial codes and everything, and I'm embarrassed to say I haven't done it yet. I've been so busy trying to get things sorted with the new gig that, I'm, you know, the expression being too sick to take your own medicine? Is that uh, an interpretation of the cobbler shoes? I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Related That's to <laughs> similar, similar idea. So, well, anyway, I can try and mix those metaphors later in the show. It's great to be back, and you know, the good news is, I always say this: when we get we go in these spurts of work, we've got some good guests coming up, and the calendar for March is pretty full, which is great. And I guess it get comes it. In, in blasts as we do it. Yeah, we slowed down over the holidays, but the New Year is going to be great. Actually, there's some great conferences coming up, too. Scott Brinker's MarTech conference is going to be good. Great. Look forward to that. And, you know, in a couple of weeks, I'm hoping to get on Jim Ewell and John Cass and Andre, Andrea Frere to talk a little bit about an event that might be coming up in San Francisco as well in the May time frame. Roland, I just had, we, Roland and I were talking about that as well. So there's some other stuff that the, the broader community is trying to organize, which I'm excited about. We got a great guest for today, uh, a guy named David Wisway. I met David actually a long time ago. I don't exactly remember where we met, but uh, maybe we can get into that when we talk to him. He's the creative director over at Workfront. He can tell us all about that platform. This is sort of a continuation of the conversations that we've been having with companies that are producing solutions that marketers can use to support their agile practice. And uh, I'm also going to ask David about a side company that he runs called Stately Type. Very cool, what appears to be t-shirt company that he is running with his wife on the side. So maybe he's applied Agile in that context as well. So with that, should we dial him up? Let's ring him up. Hey, David, you there? Yeah. Hi. All right. All right. Hey, thanks for uh, jumping on the show with us today. We're excited to have you. Great to have you. Yeah, great to be on the show, guys. Yeah. So David, you are joining us um, from Workfront, where you're creative director. So we want to hear from you today about the work that you're doing at Workfront using 
your own solution to manage the work that you do running the creative group there. And of course, our listeners, I'm sure, will be interested in learning a little bit more about just the Workfront solution and how they can apply it to different use cases. But before we jump into that, maybe you can start by just giving us a little bit of information about your background and how it is that you came to Agile. So I I spent quite a few years working as a user experience designer, and I I spent some of that time working for Omniture, which, which which was later acquired by Adobe. So I was there working with several different development teams, and almost every team that I worked with at that time was using uh, some form of, of, of Agile to manage their, their software development work. Mo- most of them were using Scrum, pretty traditional Scrum, to manage uh, their work. And so for me, it was kind of a crash course. That was my first experience with it. And so, yeah, I, I spent a couple of years there working as a user experience designer, working with you know Scrum uh, software development teams. So when an opportunity opened up for me here at Workfront to come in as a creative director, which is more my background, I, user experience was a little bit of a tangent for me. So I came back, I came here to Workfront as, as creative director. And uh, I, like many creative directors, <laughs> had I struggled at, at first to wrap my head around just the amount of work that we were being asked to do. Like a lot of teams, we, have, we always have more work than we have time and resources to get it done. So that was tough for me. And I, I kind of naturally reached out to Scrum to help me solve some of those problems, uh, which at the time, this is, this is four or five years ago. So at the time, uh, using Agile within a marketing environment wasn't quite as popular as it is now. I, I didn't know of a lot of people doing it. I mean, there were people for sure, but at the time I didn't, I wasn't aware of them. So I, I kind of had to figure out how to map Scrum and, and, and all the components of Scrum to uh, the work that we do within a creative services group, within a marketing department. And uh, it's been fun. I mean, I'm, I'm, I haven't regretted it at all. It's been, it's been a lot of fun and it's helped out my team quite a bit. Can you give us a sense of some of the ways that it's helped out your team? One of the benefits of Agile, of Scrum specifically, that I that I talk about probably the most is just how it helps teams, especially shared services teams like mine, it helps them get realistic about the about the true capacity of their team. Dev groups have been doing this for a long time, and so it's it's not anything new or even interesting to them, but it's surprising how few marketing teams and creative services teams truly get realistic about about their capacity like they they just don't do the math right like you only have so many people on your team you only have so many hours in the week and you have this so many teams have this giant backlog of work and they they essentially just say yes to everything and and kind of cross their fingers which leads to asking people to work late working on weekends coming in early the mega cram down as i describe it <laughs> absolutely yeah the mega cram down right and you end up with a retention problem. You end up, you get to this point where people don't trust you because you're, you're, you're always saying, oh, we're slammed, we're slammed. And you're just constantly overworking your team. And so for me, Scrum is just this great, simple way to quickly get realistic. Like I've got this many people, there are this many hours that they, are, that they have available to do the work. Let's do some estimating and, and let's bite off a realistic amount of work for this particular sprint. So Workfront is is the solution that, that you're using, so you're kind of drinking your own champagne. Can you talk just a little bit about how does Workfront's solution support the practice that you have? Sure. So they rolled it out, uh, I'm trying to remember how many years ago it's been. It's probably been four years when they rolled out the Agile functionality uh, that exists in Workfront today. Um, they've made several updates on it since then, but 
traditionally, Workfront is a kind of pretty standard portfolio project management product. So, you know, if, if you're into waterfall, <laughs> Workfront has you covered. Yeah, that was my perception. I sat through a, a nice lunch here in Boston, and it seemed like a cloud-based version of what people did in with heavy client-server apps uh, you know, a couple of decades ago. That's how it started out. It's obviously added a ton of functionality over the years to that, but that was sort of the base. And so they added, uh, like I said, Agile functionality about four years ago. It, it supports pretty traditional Scrum. I mean, you have a, a backlog for your team that just automatically uh, anything that has been assigned to your team within the system uh, will show up there in the backlog. It allows you to estimate using either straight hours or, or um, your own setup of, of what you deem story points to mean for your team. It allows you to plan iterations. You can, you know, you can choose the, the, the length of those durations for your team. Make assignments. It has a, a really nice storyboard view, sprint board view, a nice interactive burndown chart that's always up to date. I personally love it. I know I'm being a shill right now and uh, touting my own product, but I, I actually do use it every day and I do, I do like it quite a bit. One of the things that makes it most usable for us is while it may not be robust as robust as like a, a just a straight up scrum product it it still plays within this system of traditional project management so a lot of the like stakeholders and requesters that we work with they don't know anything about scrum and they don't have to right like they 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 can plan out their projects the way they always have then they assign things to my team and i pull it into my sprint and i i work on it the way i want to work on it and i don't have to kind of change their worldview or, or t- spend a lot of time educating them on, on what it is that I'm doing. All they know is we're assigned to the work and we're getting it done. Yeah, this is a theme actually that comes up a, a lot of the time in conversations that we've had where the reality is is that there are some parts of the business or some things that we're doing as marketers that are going to continue yep. to be in waterfall. And yep. we're, we're living in a world in which it's it's almost always going to involve some kind of integration between our traditional practices and water and agile, right? It's not going to be yeah. agile is yeah. not a holistic solution. And there's some there's some places where there's very little benefit to going in an agile mode, and those parts of your yeah. marketing mix which are very certain. Why yep. why bother investing in agile? One of the things that has come up a lot in in our most recent shows, and this is particularly in the context of service organizations, so. The context here is that organizations that aren't necessarily setting strategic direction or, or aren't even necessarily actively establishing or managing the stuff in their backlog. It's more that they're a service organization that's supporting other organizations and uh, those organizations are feeding things into this group. So in some cases, like the strategy and the prioritization is is external. The context is about these teams where oftentimes the prioritization of work is actually coming from an external source. And so what we've heard in that case is that sometimes Kanban is a better fit because it's about managing work through a through the workflow and work in process allows these teams to kind of insulate themselves from those external pressures. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting to me to hear from you about the fact that you're, you're pretty committed to and it sounds like you're, you're using Scrum. What's your perspective on Scrum versus Kanban? I mean, prob- most of this is probably just my own bias be- because of my background. I-, I absolutely prefer Scrum, again, mostly because I've just had so much experience with it. The more I learn about Kanban, the more interested I am in it. But 
I don't know. I don't, <laughs> like I said, I know this is my own bias, but I just don't see me or my team making the jump. We do fit the category that you just described, right? Like for the most part, my team is, is, a, is a service group. Like we're being assigned work. We're not, we're not as heavily involved in, the, in kind of making those tr- strategic decisions as other groups are, which within our organization are not Scrum, right? So I'm, I don't know. It, for me, it's just I, I haven't run into any kind of compelling evidence that, that, that we need to make the, ch- the change. But I don't know. Maybe you guys can, can shed some light on it for me. Maybe there are things about Kanban that I'm missing. I, I mean, the biggest thing for me is just I, I'm too in love with the concept of, a, of of an iteration or a sprint. Like we we build all of our process around that. You're thinking in terms of you know there are discrete blocks of work that you're delivering, so you're working mm-hmm. around that. Right. Yeah. I mean, the, the argument for Kanban has been more around organizations that have kind of a continuous delivery mode mm-hmm. where there's not if you're more project based, like you're talking about, or release based. If your if your releases are, you know, you're in a two week release cycle, or you're in a you know you've got a campaign that's launching, and there are three phases, you know, conceptualize, build, and launch. Those kinds of things where there's time banded blocks of work, maybe in an agile approach, you know, because software developers they tend to think in terms of releases, but sure. you know, nowadays in the software world where I live in the infrastructure software, there's so much of our world is now about continuous integration that we're doing a release every day. Right. So the idea that, that you actually have a time band of two weeks or four weeks maybe doesn't mean it make as much sense. Or as Roland was saying, in a services organization, say you're the support department or you're you're in the part of the development team that works on fixing bugs, well your your time bands are not every two weeks or four weeks. It's things keep coming in. You know, it's a it's like being the fact that you know, think about where Kanban and those those total quality management kind of tools came from. The origin of those is they were continuous flows. It's from the floor of a factory at a Toyota plant. You know that right. the fl- the factory floor is running twenty four seven on three shifts. Right. They don't stop every two weeks and and readjust. I want to ask you guys a question because I never hear anybody talk about this aspect of of sprints. And for me, it's one of the biggest benefits. And I, I just want to hear if, if you've heard anyone else talk about this or if you, if you have a response to this. Like for me, one of the reasons why I would never give up or I, it would be hard for me to give up uh, the concept of a sprint is the kind of um, unintended benefits that, that come about that are mostly psychological. Like they're, they're, they're mostly um, – Like raising your arms in victory at the end of the – yeah, like it allows because there's something really depressing, for at least for me psychologically, yeah. about being being a worker within a system where it is just this continuous stream of never-ending work, and having having a sprint that you can win, at least from what I've seen, is very motivational. For, but in a Kanban environment, it doesn't necessarily obviate the need for periodic retrospection. You know, to look back on things. I mean, Roland, you would attest to that, right? We've had some folks on who are. Yeah, more of a Kanban model, but they still are in. In a, every four weeks, we do a review of the last four weeks, and then some thoughts about what the next yep. four weeks look like. It, it is different, though. I, I understand what you're talking about, David. I think well, you're just making me think about one of the key differences that I see between Scrum and Kanban is that the the constraint in the primary constraint in Scrum is really the time box, and right. so the pressures that arise in scrum tend to be that as you get towards the end of the sprint and you're trying to burn down to the complete scope that you set 
there's a lot of pressure and people tend to hustle as they get to the end to right. try and complete that thing and then they get that celebration. So there, that's a double-edged sword though in that I think that that can burn people out particularly because people in general are pretty bad at estimating mm -hmm. work that fits in a sprint. And so <clears throat> it can be a little bit arbitrary about whether our estimates and our scope is really right. And so that sort of cyclical process of ratcheting up the pressure and getting to the end of the sprint can, it can be good in that it can be a positive form of stress, but it can also um, potentially burn people out. Mm -hmm. So I, th I see it as being a double-edged sword. I think Kanban, the, the productive pressure is different because the primary constraint is a work in process limit that basically says each column in the workflow, let's say you're going from, you've got first concepting, then you've got um, wires, then you're going to a visual design mock, and then you're going into a, a working prototype, let's say. And those are different people that are working through that workflow, right? Kanban offers a work in process limit that says there's only so many things that can be at each one of those stages. So, you know, you don't get to put a new thing into visual design until one of the things in visual design has moved into the prototyping right. stage. And so the, the pressures are, are different. And I agree with you. You don't get that sort of end of sprint. Yes, let's celebrate. You, you do, though, as Frank said, get this kind of retrospective th thing that you have to do periodically. But that's, that's not the same as a celebration at the end of a sprint. Right. Yeah. And the other thing is, if you think in terms of one, they'll often describe the push versus pull methods, right? That in a waterfall approach, it's in, in some cases, agile plays this way. We are going to push to make that deadline. We're going to push things. We're going to push the activities. We're going to push the work to get to that deadline. Whereas the fundamental design of a Kanban system is, is that you pull work into the available resources that you have and execute against them. It's kind of like pulling the cars along the assembly line was the idea. And those are two very, very different models depending upon the culture of your organization and the philosophy of your management team. Um, I've worked in both kinds of organizations where it's, you know what, the deadline is sacrosanct and no matter what we do, we're going to hit that deadline and that means right. that you push to make it versus places where people are maybe enlightened is too, too flattering a word, but you know, <laughs> where, they, where they, people think in more holistically and think in terms of realistic what to avoid burnout and all the things that you mentioned, how do you manage that and how do you pull things in instead? So I have one question, which is I, you're, you're just kind of making me wonder. I wonder if Scrum in some ways is better suited to integrating with our more traditional methods. That's the first question then, that sort of came to my mind. Yeah, mm -hmm. then Kanban. The, yeah, the second thing I'm just kind of interested in getting a sense of, we talked a little bit about, about scoping. I'd be curious if you can share a little bit about how, are, do you feel like your team's really good at scoping and... Um, what's your secret sauce? Because it's something that marketers definitely struggle with. Scoping, hour estimating, t time estimating is is tough. I mean, I found that it's one of those things that just over time through the iterative process uh, and the education process, we get better about it. We've gotten much better about it. The secret sauce for me is just we, we absolutely err on the side of I would much rather have too much time on our hands than than not enough. I think initially that's that's kind of scary for teams to do. They they want to please. They want to be seen as as you know very fast, very responsive. And so they 
people and you know people just have a natural tendency a natural bias toward underestimating how long things will take so the secret sauce for me has just been to kind of I don't want to say sandbag, but err on the side of if we think this is going to take an hour, let's let's say it's going to take us two or maybe four. And then over time, you you get more and more accurate as you work on the same sorts of tasks over and over again. And I think that's what we all do to overcompensate for the optimism right. that we often face. So right. let me ask a different, slightly different question about you know your product and your tool, because I did sit through a couple of case studies, a couple of user stories. And the two stories that I saw that day were, were traditional enterprise customers with uh, complex workflows. So it was, mm-hmm. I think one was an insurance company and I'm drawing a blank on the other one. And really it was about the biggest benefit that was coming out of it was really the optimizing, the, the, this mm-hmm. reflection on the workflows and then modeling the workflows mm-hmm. was a huge amount of benefits. I mean, you you stated it earlier. You guys started as more of a waterfall company, and then have built the agile kind of stuff, agile and Kanban on top of it. I mean, what per, do you have a sense of what percentage of your user base is leveraging these agile tools? Our two big targets in terms of the types of customers who use us are uh, one is kind of on the IT side, IT slash kind of a, a PMO group, and then the other big one that that's growing very rapidly for us are marketers you know our marketing customers this is a wild guess i would say maybe 20 15 to 20 percent of our user base okay is using the the agile functionality that we that we have hey, but but it's absolutely growing i mean it's it's been really interesting for us to see how many people are interested in it wanting to learn more about it and many of our existing customers who started out with just a very traditional ppm system are are now adopting it and it seemed like from the stories, it comes back to process. I don't know, mm-hmm. back to like second semester of business school when you, in right. in, in uh, operations class, where the simple process of sitting down with everyone in the same room in front of a whiteboard and building a flowchart of what our process is and getting everyone aligned is mm-hmm. a tremendous benefit. And that ends up. Oh, yeah. you know, I sort of felt like that was the one thing that stuck in my head. And then you know the agile and the workfront year platform as a way to kind of facilitate the implementation of that was is pretty big. It's pretty mm-hmm. big. And then, you know, from what we talked to, I don't know, personally, the, I always kind of feel like the cathartic part of this whole agile or using an agile process is that is again, the, the retrospective and the, the planning process for the next sprint on a forced regular basis. Yeah. I think is a good transition to a question just about, can you tell us a little bit about uh, how your practice has evolved over time? Where have you kind of, found the optimizations or found where the process needed to be tailored to your team project or culture? So it's evolved quite a bit uh, over the last, you know, four years that we've been using it. I, I, in rolling it out initially, I, I see a lot of people get excited about agile and then they, they roll it out within their organization in a very waterfall way, um, which I think is hilarious for us we we tried to adopt it in a very agile uh, iterative way so we we would pull in one component of agile at a time instead of just saying top down you know we're going to adopt every aspect of this and we're going to be very dogmatic dogmatic about it from day one i i decided that it would make more sense just to 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 pull in uh, a piece at a time so we we started with the idea of a backlog we we you know we weren't doing our daily standups or the retrospective or even sprint planning meetings right we just pulled in the idea of a backlog let's have one place where everything lives we set it up so that it was automated so that you know anyone who was requesting work of, from my team it would all come into the same place 
which, you know, that sounds very kind of one-on-one kind of basic, but you'd be surprised how many teams don't have one automated place um, where all of their work lives. So then from there, we adopted the idea, the concept of, of iterations or sprints. And then we, you know, it took a couple of months to kind of pull in every aspect or most aspects of it to the point where you'd, you'd look at my team and go, yeah, that's, that, that's a scrum team. And mostly for us, the, the, once we adopted backlog grooming, sprint planning meetings, daily standups, the review and the retrospective, um, once we adopted what you'd consider to be scrum, the biggest changes that we've made over time have been streamlining. Like we, we've stripped out more than we've, than we've added. We, my biggest thing is I don't want the process to ever get in the way of the actual work that I've hired these people to do, right? Like the process is, is at best, it's a necessary evil, right? So like I'm always striving to minimize it. So, and this might be heresy for, for some of the people listening, but you know, for us, we don't do sprint reviews anymore. It, it just, it, it didn't seem to make sense for us. And we even got to the point where we, we stripped out the daily standup. Uh, we don't do those anymore. Um, that communication still goes on, you know, I'm, but, but it's not, we don't have to take five to 10 to 15 minutes every day to, to verbalize that stuff. We're doing it in the, in the tool. Yeah. Well, most of the people we talk to are not hundred percent agile. I think that right. we haven't found many marketers who are using all of it. I, I, I like your story about starting. I mean, I just started bringing our approach into a new with some new colleagues and, and we're doing kind of the same thing working on, we've kind of banned it. We've kind of lumped it into a couple of specific projects and we've kind of built a backlog and two scrums a week because we're seven time zones away. And yeah, you know, it just, mm. it doesn't, I, I once spoke at an event in Maine and I said to the guy, some of you guys probably wouldn't consider what I'm doing as agile. And one of the guys in the audience laughed and he said, you know, no one's doing agile. If you look at it that way, I mean, it's right. Some of the core principles are having a backlog and working in time banded and trying to, you know, embrace the openness and, and empowerment and all that stuff. I mean, this, a huge number of principles and you're right. If when people get super dogmatic, it ends up starting to look like a waterfall again. So, um, yep. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, David, we try to keep this in the sort of 20 to 25 minute range and we're already up to, wow, almost 25 minutes. And, and yeah, that it's, quick. Been, it's been amazing how the time flies when you're having fun. It was great <laughs> discussion around all the things that we need to do and gets us thinking I, it's as i always say to guests we should try to bring you on again to have a, another conversation at a jump yeah, not too distant future um just just as a reminder to our listeners out there at the beginning you remember roland's impassioned plea for p- folks if you're out there leave us a review on itunes show us your love give us some feedback if you have a story to tell like david which is really interesting um, you can ping us. You can ping D- uh, Roland at rsmartly on Twitter or myself at Tangy Slice on Twitter. If you like, if you want to catch up with old episodes of the Marketing Agility Podcast, we're on, we, we are still posting to SoundCloud as well as iTunes and the Agile Marketing Blog. AgileMarketingBlog.com. Well, David, thank you again for joining us, Roland. And everyone out there, please stay agile.